Welcome to the Tuesday evening chapel. I'm glad you're here. Are you glad you're here? I'll tell you who I am also glad that is here. It's Dr. Charles Gailey. He's going to minister the word to us. Um, I think I said someplace along the line, um, he was my missions professor at Nazarene Seminary uh, a couple of years ago. And I'm grateful um, for the chance to, to see him again and uh, to hear of his ministry. I don't have him for class this time. Those of you who have him for class, I know you appreciate his teaching and wonder about the workload, but that's just kind of how that comes. I always did too, but always glad to be in class. Father, be blessed by our hearts. Be blessed by our offering of praise. Be blessed by the words that come from our lips. Be blessed. For you have blessed us in so many ways, it's the least we can do. All we have to offer is yours. Be blessed. And help us to hear your word through your servant for this time, for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The word tonight is found in Acts, the 26th chapter. I'm going to ask you to stand in a few moments for the reading of God's word. But before that, let me say what a blessing it is for Doris and I to be on this beautiful campus when the river of God's blessing is running free, haven't you enjoyed the spirit of revival that's been upon our chapel services? Amen. Amen. Blessed be the name of our Lord. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. You all know this story as the story of Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 26. I suppose, I'm quite sure, that every single person in this room could tell me, in basic parameters, you could tell me that, that story. But I wonder how many of you could tell me tonight what Jesus said to Paul that day. Because you see, as soon as Paul was converted, now this, folks, was a brand new Christian. Jesus gave him a job to do. As Jesus gives every Christian a job to do. And so tonight, we're going to read the job description. This is a job description for a brand new Christian. We're going to begin to read in the 17th verse, in the middle of the verse, Jesus is speaking, and he's saying to this brand new, new Christian.
I am sending you. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they, you see, so that they too may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then in verse 19, Paul's response comes echoing back across the ages when Paul says, so then, King Agrippa, I, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I want to talk to you tonight about three different kinds of vision. The first is the vision of the Christian church. And you may be seated. You see, it was the church that first sent missionaries to Africa to ignite a flame of love. And I am here tonight to tell you that that flame has not only ignited, but is spreading like a gigantic prairie fire across that great continent. So much so that Time magazine has reported nearly 20,000 people a day joining the Christian church in Africa. Billy Graham has said that some of the greatest stories coming out of the Christian church globally today are coming out of the continent of Africa. Lamine Sana, professor at Yale University, says that it's possible that within the next 10 years, Africa may become the most Christian continent on the face of the globe. But it's happening not just in Africa, folks. Did you know there in Indonesia, which was swept by the tsunami recently, that's not the only tsunami because there's been a tsunami of conversions on Sumatra, and you know that that is the largest Muslim nation in the world. But approximately one and a half million people in Indonesia have found Christ to be their all in all, so much so that the government, the Muslim government, has stopped publishing religious statistics. And it's happening not just in Africa and Indonesia. Last year in Bangladesh, a Nazarene pastor baptized in one service 85 former Muslims. And it's happening not just in Southeast Asia. It's happening up there in Korea, where at the turn of the century, missionaries were prohibited and pastors were being put into prison, and some people said the gospel will never get into Korea. But today, today, over 30% of the whole population of South Korea say they are Christian. Over 50% of the armed forces, the largest Christian church in the entire world is located in Seoul, Korea. 
but it's happening not just in Africa and Asia, it's happening in South America as a gigantic revival sweeps over that continent. Newsweek magazine reporting 400 people a day, over nine, 400 people an hour rather, over 9,000 people a day coming to the Lord. And just today, I got a report from a recent Billy Graham crusade in the nation of Columbia where 700,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus. And it's happening as revival sweeps over the great continent of South America. And then, of course, there's the marvelous story of Russia that we talked about in class tonight. You know, Russia... Uh, was so closed to the gospel. And we had a gener several generations that grew up under godless atheism. But my wife and I were privileged to sit in the first church of the Nazarene in Moscow in Russia and hear Russian young people that had been raised in that kind of environment singing praise to a holy God. And then, of course, there's the wonderful story of China. China, where all those years we wondered, have any Christians survived the persecution of the suffering church, the terrible ignominy that was heaped on Christians for all those years, and we wondered, have any Christians survived Mao and the Gang of Four? By the 1980s, as the bamboo curtain began to part ever so slightly, we began to hear we began to hear a little information that, yes, there are some Christians that have survived. Back in those days, we thought there might be as many as a million Christians in China. And then in the mid-80s, that pastor from Zhejiang province came forward, and he said, well, I know that we've got five million Christians in Zhejiang province alone. And current estimates are, folks, that there may be as many as 100 million Christians in China as we speak. I like the way the Gaithers sing it. The church is still alive. Of course the church is still alive. Because, friends, Jesus Christ himself said... I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Praise God. Amen. The church has been obedient to its vision. That vision that God gave to Paul to turn people from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that, folks, is the work of the church. But I ask you, what makes up the church? A church, you see, is made up of individual persons. In fact, with no persons, we don't have the church, do we? We've got some great cathedrals in Europe, but if there are no church members, there's really no church. It's a beautiful church building or edifice but it's really not a church. And you know, folks, the church never catches this vision that Jesus delivered to Paul. The church never has that vision unless individual persons have caught that vision and that passion.
when I think of individual persons that have caught that vision. I think of our missionaries flung around the world tonight. I think of missionaries like Dave and Marquita Mosher who caught a vision a little over 10 years ago when Patrick Johnston published his book, Operation World, and said in that book that the Makua people, that there was a group five million strong in northern Mozambique. He said it's possibly the largest animistic unreached people group in Africa, perhaps in the entire world. Dave and Marquita Mosher were already Nazarene missionaries in Swaziland. And they volunteered. They said, we'll go. After further training, they arrived in Nampula in northern Mozambique in 1995, finding 20 churches already established by Jonas Mulati, a Mozambican missionary from the south. And what has happened since they arrived there, folks, is nothing short of a new chapter in this book that we read from tonight, the book of Acts. David Mosher has kept in contact with me over the years with the email, and I brought along one of his emails tonight to share with you here at NBC. Listen to this. Your missionary says the growth is still explosive. Pastor Jose Amise arrived in Nampula to inform me he had just opened seven new churches. That's not seven new Christians, folks. That's seven new churches. That's not bad, Dr. Sanders. He said, we immediately made plans to go and to visit these churches. We arrived at the first church after getting stuck three times. But there we baptized 118 adults and children and married two couples. We quickly left and went on to the next church. There we baptized 59 adults and children by the light of a kerosene lamp about 8 o'clock in the evening. And the next morning, early at 6.30, we organized that church. We went on to the next place. We wrote certificates of baptism until all the certificates I brought with me were gone. And again, in the late afternoon, we baptized 151 children and adults. We returned in the dark from the river. Can you imagine how long it takes to baptize future pastors? That's a good problem to have, isn't it? 151 baptisms. That takes a while. We returned in the dark from the river to give out certificates and to receive members and marry two other couples again by candlelight. It was awesome to see about 200 people all camped around the church during the night. We're talking about the church here, folks. We arrived at the next church. I had no more certificates of baptism but we decided to have a baptismal service anyhow. And we walked down to the river, only to find that here it was just a knee-deep 
mud puddle. But then this missionary with a vision says, I then knelt in that mud puddle and with the strength of the Lord baptized 235 children and adults. And then he says, to the Lord be all the glory. That's it, folks. To the Lord be all the glory. He is the source of vision. He's the one that gave this individual, these two individuals. He gave them the vision for the lost of Africa. He is the Lord of glory that has brought revival onto this campus in recent days. He is the Lord of vision. And there were individuals that caught a vision. And one of the great experiences on a recent trip that Doris and I took to Africa was to sit down with Dave and Marquita Mosher and have them explain to us that among the Makua people, we now have over 100 churches and over 10,000 Nazarenes. Do you realize that that means an unreached people group is being reached? They now have a New Testament in their own language. Do you know what that means? That means people have been turned from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of a holy God. Folks, that's shouting ground right there. That's reason to praise the Lord. But you can see where I'm going tonight, can't you? Because having talked to you about the church's vision, and then the individual vision that makes that possible never happens without individuals. Finally tonight, I want to ask you about your vision. What's your vision for a lost and broken and a fractured world? If everyone, had a, if everyone had a vision just like yours in the church, what would the church's vision be like? You see, this is not just a vision for Paul. Oh, no. Jesus made it universal for every Christian in what we call the Great Commission. And folks, it is not the Great Suggestion. It is the Great Commission. It is the marching orders for the Christian church. It's what Ebel Bruner, the great theologian, said. The church does not exist without mission any more than a fire exists without burning. And you know you don't have much of a fire without burning. And frankly, you don't have much of a church without mission. Doctor, I've heard Dr. Alec Deasley say over and over again, professor of New Testament, when he says so eloquently, without mission there is no gospel, and without the gospel there is no mission. Really, if you leaf through your New Testament, 
much of it is about mission. As Dr. Roger Hahn said to me recently, he said, Chuck, mission is just the Christian thing to do. What's your vision? If everybody had a vision just like yours, what would our passion, what would our passion for people be to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God? That's the work of the church. And you know, the gospel means good news. And you know what happens if we hug the gospel to ourselves? It begins to shrivel and to die. And the world is so hungry, folks. The world is waiting for you. The world is waiting for NBC grads. When we were in China, we said to our guide, it was Easter Sunday, we said, we've, we've got to, to go to church. We are Christians. The law, the government had just passed a law the month before that anybody who witnessed anybody else could be imprisoned immediately or deported. I said, we need to go to church. At a terrible time finding a church. She didn't know where there was a church in Beijing. We got a taxi driver. He didn't know where the church was. We drove around. For a while, I despaired of ever finding a church. But finally, down an alleyway and through a very thick wall, we came to a church, a Christian church. Oh, my, what a church that was. Over 2,000 people jammed into that building. I mean, they had no luxury of any empty chairs at all. Oh, no, every single chair was taken. People were standing along the back. The vestibule, they had the doors open, and the vestibule was packed, wall-to-wall -wall people. And oh, we sang the traditional Easter hymns, up from the grave he arose. I mean, these were folks that knew what the resurrection is about. And under that oppressive communistic regime, the soloist stood and sang, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Fifty people baptized in that single service, most of them young people. Our young guide had never seen anything like it. Even before that service was over, she began asking me questions about what it meant to be a Christian. And to make a long story short, before the sun set over Beijing that Easter Sunday, she had given her heart and life to Jesus Christ. We knew we had just one week to disciple her. Oh, we worked out all kinds of innovative ways to conduct our Bible studies. We rented a paddle boat and went out in the middle of Beehive Lake. You know, it's kind of hard to eavesdrop in the middle of a lake. But I'll never forget the day she said, Oh, the peace, the peace that Jesus has given me in my heart. Folks, it's all about turning people from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to a holy God.
What's your vision tonight? I want us to sing that beautiful chorus, flow, river flow. If you feel like you want to pray tonight, there's plenty of room to pray. Oh, I've loved these altar services that we've been having the last couple of weeks. The presence of the Lord is in this place. But you know, as we think about these world areas, I stopped out here on the sidewalk tonight on my way to chapel, and I looked out over those flickering lights of Colorado Springs. And I said to myself, I wonder if we've got the passion, if we've got the vision to reach Colorado Springs for Christ. Do you know I read in the Gazette this last week that there's an amazing number of people in Colorado Springs that don't go to church anywhere. And folks, they're dwelling in darkness. And Jesus is saying to us tonight, I am sending you. Let's stand. God, we come into your presence tonight. We've heard you say tonight, I am sending you. I want to give you a new vision of what God can do through your life, a new passion. And though God, as our chaplain, leads us in this beautiful song, help us to respond so that someday, ages and ages hence, we, every one of us in this room tonight, will be able to say with Paul himself, so then, so then, I, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. May it be so, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.